Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting evening of amateur Detroit Pistons podcasting. I'm Carl Rosane, and with me, as always, is Alex Rosane himself. Thanks, George. I mean, Carl. <laughs> yeah, so this is our 13th episode. It is the 18th of January, and holy crap. The last time we talked, we were into a three-game winning streak after cutting Josh Smith, and you know we were kind of cautiously optimistic. And it's just like we're we're like one of the best teams in the league by all stats, and it just doesn't. It's almost like I almost don't believe it. Like it's 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 just crazy. Yeah, the Lions fan in me is just strongly resisting the idea that our team is good now. Uh, I've just been trained, you know, and and the Pistons have uh, been bad for long enough. I'm just sort of not believing it, but we, you know, in preparation for this, we we're digging into the numbers a little bit, and uh, you know, so what has it been? Offense has it been? Defense has it been? Unsustainable shooting, and you know what? It's interesting. What we found is we're just on every measure, we're just pretty good now, and well, especially well, yeah, and, and, and one of the best in the like league top. since we got rid of Josh. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, if you look at the threshold. The um, 13 games since December 22nd versus the 28 games before, we were five and 23 before. We're 11 and two since. Um, our overall sort of offensive rating, defensive rating differential is second in the league. Um, just both of those had huge differences. Um, and you know, but I, to your point about cautious, I mean, there's a good saying I heard that like when you're losing, you're not quite as bad as you think you are, and when you're winning, you're not quite as good as you think you are. So I don't want to uh, get too far ahead of ourselves. But I don't. Know, do you want to? Do you want to look down? Do you want to summarize some of the biggest differences and what in your insights about like the advanced stats and the four factor stats? Yeah, de- definitely. And, and by the way, um, if you, when you're winning, you're not quite as good as you think we are. If eleven and two is a, is like the pace to win sixty nine games for an eighty two game season, that that's like you know Jordan's Bulls only did better than that once. You know, and that was a record setting season. So. You know we're we're clearly not Michael Jordan at Bulls at their peak level. Good. We've we've had a few wins where some things you know went our way, got a little bit lucky, but but let's let's dig into it and, and really see what happened. So I've mentioned before there are these uh, the the four factors that can break down different aspects of your offense and defense to help give some insight into what's going on. So our offense is third or fourth in the league uh, since we got rid of Josh. And so, what's going on there? Well, um, our and what, and what were we before? We were like almost last. Oh yes, I'm sorry. We were 28th in the league before. Uh, so we, we were we were big fans of talking about like, oh man, if we could just get to league average, then we could then we might make the playoffs. We've been <laughs> we've been awesome <laughs> since since then. It's it's hard to understand. Um, so one thing is our effective field goal percentage, which is basically your field goal percentage taking into account that you get more points for a three-pointer, so you don't, you, it's okay if you shoot a little lower percentage for that. It converts everything to an equivalent two-point field goal percentage. We went from uh, very last in the league uh, at 45.8% to sixth in the league at 51.7%. Okay, so we're just, we're just making more shots. Now, now that, that's probably the one thing that I would I would have expected because we caught the worst shooter in the league who was taking most of our shots. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I completely agree. Uh, we Josh was taking a lot of. Um, let's talk about shot selection. Josh was taking the long jumpers that we didn't like. He was taking a couple of threes. He should he should have been taking zero of them. Um, 
you know, he, it seemed like with the long twos later on, he was taking, you know, one or two per game instead of the four or five. But hey, uh, so everyone else is shooting better too, and our shot selection has has changed. We're um, we went from you know shooting an above average amount of threes. We were ranked 11th in three-point attempts per game to being ranked third in three-point attempts per game. We're shooting a lot more threes now. I think that that speaks to a few different things. One, the ball is moving around more. Before, we'd be swinging it around the outside, and it would just stop with Josh, and he would jack up a two-pointer. Um, and So that's one thing. Another thing is Jody Meeks uh, came back uh, six games before our streak started. That's another thing that kind of changed at the same time. And I think um, some of the benefit of Jody Meeks coming back and is, is being piled on to blame on Josh Smith um, for him being so terrible. Yeah. We, it, he Remember, he was our big free agent signing. I mean, we we're paying him like less than the average starter makes, but he was our most expensive acquisition. And people raised their eyebrows at what we paid him, but one thing we knew he could do is shoot three-pointers, and Stan Van Gundy's offensive philosophy is, to the extent possible, have one good post player in the lane and four three-point shooters standing ready to make a, make an open shot once the defense starts to collapse on the post guy. And Meeks was going to be key to that, especially since Contavious Caldwell-Pope uh, is only an okay three-point shooter at this point in his career. So, you know, Meeks being on the floor was really going to be crucial. So that's that's one thing that's happened is we're, we're shooting a lot more threes and our percentage went way up. We went from near bottom five in the league in three-point percentage at 33% to fifth in the league at 38, over 38%. So we're hitting more of them too. Part of that's probably – I haven't crunched the numbers of, on if you subtract Josh's attempts, does that explain all of it? I get the sense that just everybody is shooting better. Maybe because they're more open. Maybe because morale is higher, or maybe because we're getting lucky. It's hard to tell. Well, there's. We also added Anthony Tolliver at the exact same time, and he's shooting. He his effective field goal percentage is fifty-seven percent, one of the best on our team. Not that he's not that he gets used that often, but it's sort of like basically everyone on the floor. No one on the floor is bad, making bad shots or bad decisions right now in, in either lineup, and that's just it's hard to quantify it the way that that adds up. I mean, I guess we we sort of are quantifying it, but it's just that. Makes such a big difference. Another stat that I thought was interesting was our assist ratio. We went from 23rd in the league to 11th. Uh, we averaging seven, 17 of, um, um, assists per 100 possessions. So you know that that also kind of reflects the fact that we're moving the ball around and finding open people for good shots instead of you know last second bad shots. Yeah, and the, and then going through the other four factors. Um, so so there. Uh, how how well are you hitting your shots? That field goal percentage we were just talking about, free throw rate. How are you getting to the line to score your points? That hasn't changed very much. We're we went we went from nine, ranked nineteenth to twenty first. So we we've been below average in that. And part of that is because we shoot a lot of threes, so you don't get fouled on those a lot. And part of it is that uh, we have you know Andre Drummond is a terrible free throw shooter, so he just isn't making them. So that's not much of the story to change, uh, much of the story of why we changed. Offensive rebounding, we've stayed in the top 10. Our percentage hasn't changed very much. We've gone from rank 9th to 7th. So I would consider that to be a negligible change. And that, made, and then, yeah, that was like the only thing we were good at before, and we're still good at it. So that's not like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, we've remained good at that because 
our main guys who are good at that. Both Monroe and Drummond are good at it. Monroe is a, a really good offensive rebounder, and Andre Drummond is like an all-time great at offensive rebounding. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, there, there was a stat they mentioned during the game yesterday about like the youngest players to reach uh, ten, uh, the, like the number of ten plus offensive rebounding games, and oh. Drummond has like I think he has like seven already, and the the career best is like like twelve or something like that. And, you know, wow. so like like Zach Randolph, for example, he's tied with Zach Randolph, and Zach Randolph's been playing in the league for like 15 years. So Drummond is probably going to be the best offensive rebounder the game's ever seen. It's pretty crazy. That's amazing. Um, and the and Pistons fans can appreciate that because we had uh, Dennis Rodman in his prime uh, and Ben Wallace, uh, also legendary offensive rebounders. But Drummond is just uh, – the teams just can't keep him away. He just He just – He's gigantic and athletic and long arms. He's yeah, and, and we had a, like a game-winning uh, offensive rebound uh, putback. It's, it sort of yep. reminds me like when Ben Wallace was so good at defense that we would actually have spectacular game-winning block shots. And against the Pacers uh, a couple nights ago, we you know Jennings just went up and threw up a, a shot kind of near the you know a, a kind of a high glass uh, finger roll. And they said, I knew that Drummond would be there to, to tip in if I didn't make it. And sure enough, he did. So that's sort of like, how often do you have like a spectacular game-winning offensive rebound? It's pretty cool. That's right. Uh, he. That's a really good point about uh, when you're so good at an intangible that it becomes tangible. You know, Ben Wallace's game-winning blocks. <laughs> I, I think of, um, it might have been one of the last shots of Reg, Reggie Miller's career, Um he tried to shoot a three in the playoffs against us, and Ben Wallace blocked it. I think, uh, <laughs> it, uh, but uh, and then that was actually the same shot that Jennings took and made to to win against the Spurs, uh, going left a floater over a big man. Yeah. So it's an interesting strategy. Work kind of works out either way. Yeah. Um, the last you know factor on offense is turnover ratio. We were we've always been really good at that, taking care of the ball. We were ninth in the league, and we've gone to third in the league. And I would chalk that up to just we're shooting more threes and we're trying a little bit less to force it inside. Josh Smith was a really good passer, and um, I saw an article about the Houston Rockets offense uh, the other day, uh, how James Harden is so great, and you know they they have these advanced stats that we don't have access to, and they show that Harden is leading the league in assisting corner threes where he would break down the defense and pass it to the corner for a three on that uh, chart that they showed Josh Smith was fifth in the league at that. Wow. So he, he had this real, like that was the one thing he was good at is getting past his man and throwing a really good pass to the corner. But in the course of trying to do that, you turn the ball over a little more. We do a little bit more, just regular old swinging the ball to the side and shooting an open three. Anyway, th- so all of this is just a way of taking five minutes to say we're just making a lot more of our shots in part because we're taking smarter shots and in part because everyone's just shooting hotter. That's the part that makes me think like we're going to come back down to earth and be closer to like an above average team rather than, you know, we've just been, we've been on a hot streak and, and it just, it feels great. Yeah. Now, I mean, to that what's, point, ama- what's amazing is that our defense has improved too. Yeah. And well, just really quick, just on the on the point about the the sustainable shooting uh, before we move, move on to drill over the defense, Jennings, you know he had he he was playing really well at the very beginning of the season. Then he came back from a thumb injury and was playing poorly. But he's really come into his own, and he's shooting like a fifty five fifty four percent effective field goal percentage, a, a one ten offensive rating. So he's playing like all star level 
offense. And we've seen him really carry us in a couple of games where he's just like making shots that feel like, you know, just step back threes over people, just like, you know, just amazing. But, um, you know, while that's great, uh, I'm not too worried about it because if you really look back over the course of the, our, our, our last 13 games, there's probably only like three or four games where like that level of play was critical to our success. And there's been other games where other people step up, like, for instance, Kyle Singler went crazy last night, or, our, uh, or you know, Jody Meeks went crazy and, and had, like, 35 points in a different night. So we're not, like, only relying on Jennings being super hot to be good. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We're <clears> – I was a little worried about that. It, it, it is just nice to see Jennings – Make some shots. It's the type of shots where if someone on another team makes it, you you think, man, I wish we had a guy like that who could, you know, we don't have to grind our way to the offense. You just take a shot and make it. And we, you know, we do have one of those guys, I guess. Uh, well, it, it helps it, to have, especially if we if we make to the playoffs, which we can talk about later. You want someone who can get a shot off and not, you know, not have the whole defense collapse, uh, offense collapse in the intensity of the last quarter. So Jennings is, I mean has been able to either make game-winning shots or get a shot up that sets up a game-winning offensive rebound, and he can he can make clutch shots. I mean, that's great. Yeah, it, it's um, it, he's turning into what you know. They, they reminded us on the uh, on a broadcast the other night in Jennings' seventh ga- NBA game, he scored fifty-five points by going buck wild and making a ton of threes. And everyone thought, "Oh my God, this kid's you know nineteen or twenty, and had this game. What's his career going to be like?" Well, he's starting to look like that now. Now, I don't think we have like a peak Dwayne Wade on our hands or or Chris Paul or something. Like, we're we're probably not looking at a Hall of Famer here. But man, to have a guy who's a, you know playing at an All Star level, it's been a while, man. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about the defense a little bit. Um, our defense has improved too. We were we went from, uh, you know, being. I thought we have it written down 24th here. I, I'm surprised at that. I thought we were closer to just below the league average on that, and that that was where we were playing better. But anyway, we're since since the trade and Jody Meeks playing more. I don't know how that helps. We're third best in defensive rating, and that is shocking. I mean, Josh Smith is by by all the people who I trust, who I read who watch film and know who's good, they all say that Josh Smith is a really good defensive player. And I, I, don't, I just don't know what to make of that. Uh, so how, how is it that we do addition by subtraction by removing what on paper is our best defensive player? <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to explain. I mean, the only thing, yeah, I was looking at that too. And if you look at our opponent field goal percentage, it, 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 we went from like 20th in the league to 11th. So that's part of it. But the only thing that really stands out to me is the the fact that our steals went from 21st to 7th. Um, and if you think about the fact that we're shooting better, it allows us to get back on defense, so we're in a better position to defend and get steals. And also, our, the pace of the game has gone way up, so then those steals lead to better offense. And it, it's one of those things where maybe just like the, the whole cycle of us playing better allows us to just be, you know, kind of more like have the opponent on their heels in so many different ways. But yeah, to me that was shocking. Like I was when we were starting to go through and enumerate these differences, that was just like wow, like that that didn't that was like didn't compute. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're really onto something with the kind of feedback loops between offense and defense. Having your defense set, um, that having your defense set is certainly part of that. Maybe another part of that is just morale. I mean, 
if if you're swinging the ball around and your plan is to get a good shot and then you know this guy who's the highest paid player on the on the team takes a terrible shot with 16 seconds left on the shot clock maybe you just don't feel like putting in the effort on defense and things like steals getting better and our rebounding our defensive rebounding got better it went from you know 13th best to 7th best so we were already pretty good but i think that that might be an effort stat yeah uh and so being set on defense and not feeling like well what's the point we're going to get the ball back and Josh is going to jack up a terrible shot. I mean, so I'm I'm really imposing a narrative on here that we don't have much, you know, direct evidence for, but it I'm just grasping at straws to how to explain like what how well, do I you mean, remove your your ostensibly best defensive player and get way better? I, energy and and being set on defense are the only things we've got to explain it right now. It's yeah. just amazing. And, well, and Van Gundy always talks about the effort level and he you know, and I think that he'll get on people. Like one of the one of the sort of small concerns over the past uh, amazing stretch has there been some games where Drummond kind of looks like he's regressed to uh, you know being kind of sluggish. And and there was a game where I was looking at him like, what, what's Drummond's deal? He's got like no rebounds. Turns out he was sick, but he just got pulled from the rest of the game. And then a couple of games ago against the Pelicans, um, uh, Van Gundy when we lost, Van Gundy basically. Uh, called him out and said he didn't even rebound this game. And, and apparently, I, just, I, I heard that he, they, he had a meeting with Drummond after that game, and he went over some film with him and just was trying to give him some pointers about you know, ways of being better. The next game, he, he had a 15-15 and 15 game. So he's very, like, Ben Gundy, I think, is known for really hammering on the details of effort of every single player and not letting people get away with anything. And once you, once you actually are winning, you probably have a lot more credibility in getting people to listen to you. It's a, yeah, that's another feedback loop. Probably, it's like you can hammer on this, and you hear about players quote tuning out a coach, and that's probably like if you're hammering on effort and you're losing, it's really hard for players to see to see the uh, the promised land. But if you if you hammer on it and then you start winning, and then so people try a little harder and then you win more. I mean, it, it probably just gets things going. I, I Van Gundy's one of those guys that like Shaq. I think really didn't like playing for Van Gundy. Uh, in yeah. Miami, he called him the master of panic. Probably just like, <laughs> relax, man. I'm one of the best centers of all time. Like, I got this. Yeah. And Ben Gutty was like, get back on defense, probably. Build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another interesting thing about Van Gundy, if we're talking about Van Gundy's coaching, um, talking about shot selection, I, I looked up this uh, the stat, the, uh, the basketball reference website lets you look at numbers by. Uh, what percentage of your shots do you take by distance from the hoop? And there's this philosophy that long twos are the worst shots you can take because they're a low percentage shot, but you don't get the extra point for the three. And uh, the Houston Rockets have built their philosophy around this where they um, th- they try to take basically only layups, free throws, and three-pointers. Now, I, I can't take into account the, the free throws part of this. Uh, maybe I'll figure out a way uh, for a later podcast, but... If you just add up what percentage of our field goal attempts are either within three feet of the hoop or three-pointers, um, the Rockets are number one, as you would expect, and the the 76ers, oddly, are number two. They take very efficient shots. They just, they're just they the worst team in the league because they don't have NBA-quality players. But apparently they have a core philosophy. But we're, we're number three in the league at that. So 
and this is over the whole season, so this isn't like a pre-Josh, post-Josh thing. We don't take very many two-point jump shots, floaters in the lane, or or just jumpers. I, th- I find that very interesting. We, we've got Monroe and Drummond tipping the ball in or shooting from the post, and then we've got a bunch of three-point shooters. I think this is, we're starting to see what Van Gundy brings to the table coaching-wise in terms of philosophy. Um, it also is a little bit that we don't have the personnel, like, Monroe's a terrible two-point shooter from jumpers, and so Van Gundy just told him to stop taking them altogether, I guess. But anyway, that's very interesting. We're we're taking very efficient shots, and I'm glad. We, before, we were t- shooting a lot at the hoop, and we were the worst in the league at field goal percentage near the hoop. I'm interested to see if that'll change now that Josh is gone. He seemed to be doing a lot of driving and um, shooting floaters and missing them before. Yeah, yeah I think... Um just to tie back into like within our roster, we have another sort of tab in our spreadsheet comparing before and after the the minutes, the usage percentage, offensive rating, and field goal percentage before and after Josh Smith. And we've touched on most of it. Basically, like everyone's shooting better, especially all the wings, and that's that could be attributed just to the better ball movement, spreading the floor, all the feedback things. But the one player who made the biggest leap um, that might be most directly related to. Um, Smith's departure is Monroe. He, he's been playing really well. He's, he has like almost a 110 offensive rating. His field goal percentage is nearly the same, but he's just uh, he must just be turning it over uh, less um, and just rebounding it more and, and just you know just playing a lot better. So I mean he has a clear role now. He's starting alongside Drummond, uh, and it just I don't know. He's playing a lot better. It's, it's hard to know exactly why, but he is. Uh, everyone else is shooting better and. Um, KCP you know, is playing a ton better, um, and we already talked about Jennings playing a ton better. It's hard to know how that ties in, but there's just more. There's more. There's more room for good offensive play, and it's reflected across the whole team. Yeah, I think it, it's it's partly just it's hard to figure out what's going on here because it's a team game. If your offense is better, um, you just you put guys in a position to make make their shots more like. You, you pointed out earlier, um, we've had some games where one game Kyle Singler goes off, another game Jody Meeks goes crazy and almost sets the franchise record for three-pointers. And that's probably a lot of it just opportunistic because Jody Meeks, went, that game where he scored 30-something and made nine three-pointers, I watched that game. He wasn't like breaking down his man and doing like crazy Hall of Famer-level plays. It was just Augustine and, to some extent, Jennings were – getting into the lane on a pick and roll. The defense was making a mistake by always doing some sort of over-rotation, leaving Meeks open. And it was just time after time, balls rotating around, you pass it to Meeks, who's who's open, and he just made every single time. So I think everybody's doing better because our just our offense works better. It was like we took some we took a wrench out of the gears or something. I think that's I think that's really all we can say at this point is just like everything's working better because we had a piece that was a major component that didn't work. Yeah. And and one qualitative thing I wanted to mention that doesn't really link to the stat is like just look at watching Drummond play. I was kind of waiting for him like, oh, I wonder if he's going to get more um, kind of plays in the in the post to him. He really hasn't. I feel like I'm coming I'm I'm kind of coming to appreciate that you know what? Um, Drummond can be a great player without becoming a great post player. He can just kind of own like he could, he could be he could extend to be like a almost like maybe an 18 and 17 guy 
purely off of effort and offensive rebounds. And if and if he if he's doing that, he's averaging like eight offensive rebounds a game. He's going to be extremely valuable to your team. And yep. that's probably a better. And then maybe he starts to get a little bit better at the post move and footwork. But really, he, we don't need him to do that. We, we need we need him just to to, to crash the boards. Uh, completely. I mean, already one of the most valuable offensive players in the league right now is Tyson Chandler, who is a very unskilled player when you just pass him the ball and expect him to do something. But he's just um, an absolute animal in finishing uh, alley-oops off the pick and roll. Mm -hmm. And Dallas has, uh, at least for a while, I'm not sure if it's still true at this minute, the best offense in the league. And Dirk Nowitzki is taking fewer shots. They were just doing pick and roll, and like seven possessions a game ended with uh, Tyson Chandler dunking an alley-oop. Mm-hmm. Well, Drummond can, could be a guy like that just already. And, you know, Drummond's going to be in the league and playing at a high level for at least 10 more years. Post moves are something are the type of thing where a guy will add, add one move in the offseason and then add a counter move the next offseason and add another wrinkle the next one. And then, like, his eighth year, he, adds, he starts being okay at jumpers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So for the next five years, he can he can be an all star, like you said, just off of beastliness, you know. And I was thinking, you know, we got a lot of cap room this off season, uh, and so forth. Boy, uh, isn't Drummond the type of big man you'd like to play with if you were a, a, a scoring power forward, where you're playing with a guy who's really good, but it's a guy who's not going to p- compete for you, compete with you to have the offense based around you. Yeah. So like. Uh, guys who could be free agents this summer, uh, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin oh, Love. I would love to have Aldridge. Yeah. Almost I mean, love anybody. I mean, if, if I were – so all the, the smarty pants out there who I trust say that Love's probably going to opt into his contract, stay with Cleveland another year, then be a free agent when the salary cap jumps after next year. But if I were Kevin Love, he's getting blamed so much for having a bad defense. Wouldn't you insist on playing next to a rim protector? Yeah. You're him? How much? How how much would he love to be on the Pistons, where the offense could could just completely run through him? He's playing next to Drummond, who just offensive rebounds all his misses and protects the rim. I don't know, man. But and, but that's that's not going to happen. But I, I I did get excited about him for a minute this week. <laughs> well, it reminds me of uh, the Clippers. I mean, you have uh, DeAndre Jordan, which is a lot like. I mean, basically Drummond is almost as good as him and could surpass him. He's a similar kind of player, and he's playing with Blake Griffin, and that's sort of a good. Uh, combination um that's a good point so yeah so playoffs i think it, we're, we're, we're one game out of the playoff race i think it's reasonable to think that we could get the eighth spot um it's not it, that's actually pretty exciting mainly because the east is so bad but um i was also thinking that we're only we're two and a half games behind miami and i'm thinking now i, I i'm already looking at the seventh spot because i don't want to face atlanta in the eastern conference because they're if looking at I was as I, as we were looking at all these different ranks and, and team ratings, they're the best team in the league across the board, better than Golden State right now. So they're I, a juggernaut. I, yeah, I, I would much rather face Toronto or even Chicago in the first round. You know, so um, that, that, that now it's like you know if we can get a little bit further into the middle of the pack, it'll go a long way to hoping we could you know drool over maybe making the second round. So, but, I mean, the, those are all really good teams, and and uh, I don't. I guess you know, Chicago would suck to play against too. Really, you, you, we want to get past those. I mean, yeah, Sh- Chicago's not not playing as well as Atlanta and, and to some extent Toronto right now, but they are a sleeping giant. I mean, all, all that has to really happen is the, they're third in the East right now or fourth, I guess, with um, 
Joakim Noah is playing on a hurt knee and uh, recovering from surgery. If it's the type of injury that'll stay the same or get worse, we don't have to worry about it. But if it's the type of thing that needs more time to heal and it'll get better, he'll go back to being a defensive player of the year candidate. And they're they're crazy. And then Derek Rose is still not playing super well, but he's showing flashes of the athleticism. If it's just if it's just going to take forty more games for him to like recover from taking two years off of basketball and just get his rhythm back, and then he could be like an all star level guy again towards the end of the year, they could yeah. be insane. Yeah. Um. We you know we're let's not get greedy here, man. Uh, <laughs> I think you're 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 right that we we really are in play for the seventh or eighth spots. I was looking at it. Um. So yeah, we're we're one game out. Uh. But. It's it's weird because some of the teams that are ahead of us, um, we're actually already better than uh, on a point differential point of view. Brooklyn and Miami are, have a better record than us, but we're we're actually way better than them on uh, if you look at the difference between offensive and defensive rating. So that leads me to believe that you know we're going to pass them in, in record just by just because we're we're a better team. Yeah, um, and my and my point is not that like oh I think we're so good that we could take down Chicago, but if, if we want to have any hope at making it into the, further into the playoffs, we better get past these mediocre teams so that we can actually face either Milwaukee, Toronto, or Cleveland or something in the first round because or, or maybe even Washington. But if we face Atlanta or Chicago, then it's it's kind of it's, it's it'll be very challenging. So yeah, um, uh, right. It, no, I agree. I mean, if you make the playoffs, you want to try to face the team that's not going to sweep you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so so it, it basically my view is like the top six teams are just a, a whole tier better than than us: uh, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago, Washington, and then Milwaukee and Cleveland are both sort of near five hundred. Uh, Milwaukee's a defensive juggernaut, and uh, Jason Kidd's doing a great job of coaching them. Cleveland's five hundred, but everybody I think kind of feels like they're going to figure it out at some point. They've got three probable Hall of Famers in their starting lineup, and they just made two trades to add really useful role players to their to their team. So they're going to figure it out. Well, yeah, I mean, they already have a, a great offense. It's their defense that stinks right now. So if they just got Mozgov at center and stuff, so yeah, if they can figure out their defense at all, then they're going to be really good again. So yeah, and they got uh, Iman Shumpert from the Knicks, who's a good perimeter defender. Yeah, they'll. I feel like they'll figure it out. But you know, we're. So we're looking at uh, Indiana, Boston, Charlotte, and Brooklyn, and Miami are all kind of in the mix for the seventh and eighth spots. If you just look at that point differential, we are better than uh, I think all of them. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, so that that reflects our hot streak, and it just depends on how real is our hot streak. Right now, Boston, Miami, and Brooklyn all have similar or better records. So anyone could get hot, I guess. I just feel like you know. Miami hasn't played that well, and um, one of their big free agent signings in the offseason, um, Josh McRoberts, is hurt and out for the year. And then Dwayne Wade is just one like hard fall or saying fuck it from <laughs> uh, not playing very many games the rest of the season, and they kind of suck when he's gone. Yeah. You know, uh, Indiana, they're, you know, they've been playing without one of their starters, George Hill. Uh, so, you know, they, they could end up being a little better, but. You know they they're playing without Paul George and they're biding their time. It would actually really benefit them to just have the excuse of having Paul George out and get a good draft pick. Boston has traded away 
Rajon Rondo and and you know any semblance of decent Jeff Green. They're they're trying to get a good draft pick. Yeah, the people the that were ahead that, of that, that really need to try uh, are um, look. Brooklyn is going to try because they uh, they're trying to sell their team and they traded away all their draft picks, so it doesn't even help them to suck. They're just like totally effed for the next five years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only the, the teams that were already ahead of it's almost like it's a guarantee. It, it almost feels like that's safe. The only team that I feel like uh, maybe Orlando um, could get it together a little bit more. Um, you know, just with, um, you know, we actually lost to them earlier in the season. They looked pretty good. Uh, they're, who is it that, uh, you know, Vucevic is, is a beast. Um, and they've Alfred, got a lot of talent. It's weird that they're not playing better. Yeah. And Alfred Payton and Harris, I mean, they're, they're they actually have a, a Oladipo. They actually have a decent looking team. So the th- here's, here's another scenario. This has been a Cinderella story and, you know, it, it almost feels like, I'm suffering from imposter syndrome right now. You know what I mean? Like, are we? Is, is this like a? Is this unsustainable for some reason? I. It could totally happen that um, we become a 500 or slightly less team the rest of the season, and we don't make the playoffs, or we're just you know like we, we're playing very well right now, and we need to continue to play very well to make up for our terrible start. So we at least need to keep this going for a little bit longer before we can ease back into any sort of mediocrity. But um, but then again, we're just playing so well. And the way that we're playing well feels sustainable because it's based on smart spacing, getting good shots. Uh, it's not like anyone's just playing out of their mind. I mean, maybe what could happen is that Jennings kind of regresses back to the mean a little bit, and we're not quite as good. But, you know, it's it, – but I don't know. I, I, could t- I could totally see us having a podcast in two weeks where we're commiserating over what happened. You know, it, it, it's just hard to know. Yeah. I know. What, uh, a ray of hope there, though, or – Actually, uh, that's a habitual. <laughs> uh, I'm used to being uh, a fan of bad teams. Um, uh, s- something to feel positive about is our big streak has happened during a, a fairly tough stretch in our schedule. We had really quality wins against Toronto on the road, Dallas, and, and San Antonio. San Antonio, it was on the road, but they, you know, they had their their best player, probably Kawhi Leonard, out. But we had some really quality wins in there, and then our upcoming schedule. Uh, has a lot of home games. We our next game is on the road at, at Atlanta, and we have another road game against Toronto in there. And so those are some really tough games. But and uh, and Houston is on there in the next few games. But other than that, I mean, we're we we have a, a big home stand coming up uh, in in the middle of February. Um, we could really we, we could before our next. Like at the end of February, early March, we've got a big West Coast road trip again that could be really brutal. But we could really have banked some wins by then. And like I'm really, I'm starting to shake off the, as you said, imposter syndrome. That's really well, well said. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm starting to believe here. I, I'm usually pretty cautious about this type of thing, as you can hear. But man, we're, we're just kicking butt, and and it's, it's starting to look real. We got, we gotta prove that we can. Win more than we lose when um, Jennings can't, you know, like hit, hit a cheat code or get a get a Mario Kart star and somehow just play out of his mind. And uh, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, just thinking back over some of those wins. I mean, I'm looking back over some of the uh, like. I, I think the the most impressive win I feel like was the, against the Mavericks because we had just beaten um, the, Spurs. the Spurs on the road. And like, okay, well they were injured. 
But we were, we were against the full-strength Mavericks, one of the best offensives in the league. And I don't think that Jennings went crazy. I think Drummond had, like, a great first half. He was, like, 11-13 and 13 in the first half. And um, and we, we we fought back in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I don't know. It just it, it, That felt like a game where, like, wow, like, nothing – we didn't lean on anything spectacular. We just play. We just like outplayed him. And I remember in the in the in the after press conference, Rick Carlisle, the former Pistons coach, said, "You know, they look like one of the best teams in the league right now. The way they're playing. I mean, and he's he's a great coach, and, and he, he he could recognize like, wow, what, what's changed about these guys? And a lot of, a lot of people were noticing a lot of it's it, that it's a, a lot of, a lot about the way we're playing. Um, so I don't know. It's it, it again. A lot of these things check out. So we can cautiously." continue to be really excited about how well we're playing. And um, why don't we check back in in a couple more weeks and see if we've been able to bank away these wins uh, and get, get ourselves in a comfortable position to feel like we're going to be at least the eighth seed. Yep. If if we beat Atlanta on Monday uh, on the road, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a true believer from then on. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds good. This is, this is, this is fun. We, we, we started this podcast when we had uh, – you know, we thought, oh man, we got a chance to be a near 500 team. This will be great. And who knew? Who knew we were going to you know, just step up like this? It's amazing. All right. Well, until next time. Until next time.